0: I'm a lactation consultant in North Carolina. I have had several instances of moms um, asking me to teach them how they can relactate so that they can feed their babies. Um, A lot of these moms are people that can't get specialty formulas for their babies, but they're several months out. And at that point, breastfeeding usually um, can't be restarted very easily. It's really sad seeing a lot of moms in the community that can't get the formula that their babies need with sensitive tummies or with allergies. And um, we need to get this crisis in order because babies are going hungry. There's a nationwide
1: baby formula shortage, and it continues to leave families scrambling to feed their children. The shortage was initially linked to supply chain issues and labor shortages. But in February, Abbott Nutrition, a major baby food manufacturer, shut down its Michigan plant and recalled three of its formulas. This came after a U.S. Food and Drug Administration inspection found bacteria near production lines. Abbott Nutrition and the FDA announced an agreement to reopen the company's closed Michigan formula plant. We reached out to Abbott to be part of this conversation. They declined, but sent a statement that we'll get to later in the show. In the meantime, 43% of formula is sold out nationwide as retailers struggle to keep formula on the shelves. That's according to Data Assembly, which collects real-time data on retail and grocery services. But Abbott isn't the only baby formula manufacturer experiencing shortages. Families that rely on specialty formula are also feeling the effects of supply issues. After the break, we'll speak with one of those families and take a closer look at the formula shortage. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Remember to join future conversations, download our 1A Fox Pop app, and leave us a voicemail. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many are burned out without even knowing it. Ongoing struggles in any of life's roles can lead to fatigue and feeling helpless. Prioritize yourself by talking with someone. BetterHelp Online Therapy offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with a professional therapist. Be matched with your therapist within 48 hours and get 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com. We're discussing the baby formula shortage. Alexa Beekler is from Leesburg, Virginia. She has two children who require specialty formula due to their rare metabolic disease, phenolketonuria, also known as PKU. Alexa's family gets the formula they need directly from the company, but last month, one child's order never arrived. Alexa called the company and was told the formula was on back order. She joins us now to share her story and the impact the shortages had on her. Alexa, welcome.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: Also with us is Rachel Kurzius. She's a reporter at WAMU. That's Washington's NPR station and the station that produces 1A. Hi, Rachel. Good to be with you, Jen. So, Alexa, your one-and-a-half-year-old still hasn't received the formula order that he needs. How long has your your family been holding up?
2: So, we're getting really nervous. So, luckily, we have the best doctors around at Children National in Washington, D.C., and, you know, they knew this could have been an issue, so they thought ahead, and they've been giving us a little bit more in our prescriptions each time. So, we have about a three-week padded cushion Um, A formula left right now. But that three weeks is going to go by really quick. And I'm not sure what we're going to do after that.
1: Do you have options for feeding your children if this formula isn't available?
2: So the whole ordeal is with Abbott, there were people with PKU and other metabolic issues um, that were on Abbott formulas and they jumped ship when Abbott ran out of formula and they came over to our brand. Our brand isn't even an Abbott product. Um, our brand is Nutritia and they sold out of all of our stuff. It's on back order because everybody left Abbott and they came over to get our stuff. So there's not much left. So I'm not exactly sure what we will do. That will be up to the doctors if we can even find anything else. But it's just not as easy as just switching brands. Um, a lot of PKUers, the taste is so disgusting. Um, you know They're on it for their entire life it's not palatable at all so just like switching formula it really takes time it's not like you can just cold turkey it i'm not going to be able to like you know bribe my one-year-old you know that mm. you know this is going to hurt your brain if you don't have this you know so it would be a big fight and i literally know parents that have had a switch formula and they literally do it teaspoon by teaspoon mm. mixing it with their old formula for five days one teaspoon of the new stuff and one teaspoon of the old and one more teaspoon, you know, in five days and one more in five more days. So there are people out there that, you know, have had a switch and it's a very low, long process. So it's not going to be just as easy as that. Not only with that, but there are tolerance issues and there are GI issue complications that can come with switching formulas. So even if it is an option and we do find a different formula, it's not
1: going to be an easy road. Rachel, how is the infant formula shortage impacting the D.C. area?
3: In the D.C. region, the rate of formula not appearing on shelves is around 50%, according to Data Assembly, the same data service you were using. And when I talk to parents, they are absolutely panicked. I've spoken to parents who are the parents of newborns, and they're spending their days just driving around the region looking for formula, going to local store after local store for hours. And mind you, this is time that they're spending on the road instead of with their newborn child. And honestly in a lot of ways, they're the lucky ones. They have the time to drive around, the childcare to be able to leave their kid at home, and the money to be able to afford the high gas prices of driving around and looking for this formula. So... Basically, everyone that I spoke to is is in pretty dire straits because one of the main parts of being a parent is trying to make sure that your child is happy and that your child is fed. And a lot of parents are really feeling like failures right now or afraid that they're just not going to be able to to meet that burden of making sure their child is fed.
1: And, and is that emblematic of what we're seeing across the country?
3: Yes, absolutely. I think that the the amount of formula on the shelves kind of varies by area and that has to do with just broader supply chain issues and I would imagine that in rural areas it's even more dire because the the supply chain kind of reaches them last anyway. But as with most things, the the less that people have in terms of privilege in terms of money, the more that they're going to be impacted. By this kind of shortage just because they have fewer options.
1: Well, a lot of families rely on programs like WIC to pay for formula. That's the special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children. Rachel, what challenges has that brought to the D.C. area, especially compared to other parts of the country?
3: Well, all three of the jurisdictions in the D.C. area, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, are among the WIC offices, and this is the majority of WIC offices across the country, that actually have a contract with Abbott. And that means the way that WIC works is basically people get a, a rebate or an allotment to be able to spend money on very specific products. And those products, when it comes to formula, are mostly Abbott products. And so there have been some substitutions being made that say, okay, instead of Abbott, you can use this other brand formula or this other kind of formula. But the thing is that in general, WIC products are always the first to fly off of the shelves because they are in higher demand. So that means that people who rely on WIC need to go to more stores in order to try and find the formula that they need, or they're going to have to be paying out of pocket if that's something that they're able to afford. Now, Alexa, the formula
1: you sourced from Nutritia your insurance covers the the seven thousand dollar cost of this formula. Talk to us about the cost of specialty formula and how that impacts your family.
2: So we're really lucky. As of right now, we are our our formula is covered for our um, under one. It's written in our insurance that they will cov, cover metabolic formula until the age of one. Now that is up in the air for my one and a half year old. Now that he's over one, we're really lucky that they are covering it by a month to month basis. But right now they don't cover um, medical foods, which is the other part of their diet. Um, so we're kind of in a battle with our insurance company right now. And they could stop paying for that at any point in time. And as a stay-at-home mom and a small business owner, and my husband is a teacher of 15 years, you know we will never be able to afford a $7,000 a month Formula and that is only going to get more as he drinks more and gets older um, so that is a really scary that's the other side of this it's really scary to think about that. Um, and it's really important. There's actually a bill in Congress right now that could actually help get rid of all of that fear and anxiety for us called the, uh, the Medical Nutrition Equality Act. And that will force insurance companies to pay for this formula for children, adults, and teenagers, and everybody else. So that's really important that um, we get that passed.
1: Rachel, the formula shortage is one of many struggles parents are facing right now. Grocery prices have also soared in much of the country. According to data from the Labor Department, groceries are 10 percent more expensive than they were a year ago. How is that compounding this problem?
3: It just means that there's less cushion for families, right? Uh, Alexa just talked about how difficult it would be to transition her kids to a different formula. And the level of difficulty is different for parents that don't have kids with metabolic issues. But the idea of switching formula isn't necessarily an easy thing. It's not necessarily a one-to-one situation. So people are buying formula that's more expensive only to have their kids not drink it or drink it and feel gassy or bloated or not be able to sleep. And so families just have less to work with in general. And another thing that I really wanted to note here is when I spoke to a lot of people who had tried to breastfeed and weren't able to for one reason or another, whether it was because they were going back to work and weren't going to be able to pump to the degree that they would need to, or because they simply weren't able to produce the amount of milk required to nourish their kid, I was hearing so much guilt they were so concerned that it was somehow their fault that that their kid was was in this situation. And that was really heartbreaking for me, too. I've noticed so much judgment of people saying, well, you know, breast milk is free. And the reality is it's not free and it's simply just not an option for a lot of families.
1: That's Rachel Kersias, a reporter covering the baby formula shortage for WAMU, Washington's NPR station. Also with us, Alexa Beekler. She's a mother of two from Leesburg, Virginia. Alexa, Rachel, thank you thanks to you both. Let's bring two new voices into the conversation. Dr. Stephen Abrams is a pediatrician and professor of pediatrics at the University of Texas at Austin's Dell Medical School. Dr. Abrams, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. Also with us is Amy Joyce, the writer and editor of On Parenting. That's a parenting blog from the Washington Post. Amy, welcome.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: We also want to hear from you. If you're a parent or caregiver, how have you coped the last few years? What do you want to know? Amy, just walk us through how we got to this point. You know,
0: it started out with um, the the backup, thanks to the pandemic. Things were already having trouble shipping around, so we've had that. And then um, there was a recall in February at Abbott um, after there was a whistleblower way back in October uh, claiming that there were issues at the plant um, where so much formula is produced, Um, and then finally, in February, after a a bit of an investigation, the plant uh, shut down um, and volunteered a recall. Um, So there were already issues before that, but once that plant shut down, um, it really created this chaos.
1: Well, Abbott Nutrition has entered a consent decree with the FDA to clear the path to reopening its shuttered Sturgis, Michigan plant. We reached out to Abbott to be part of this conversation. They declined but sent over a statement. Our representative also told us over email that, quote, after a thorough review of all available data, there's no conclusive evidence to link our formulas to infant infant." to these infant illnesses. Um, And that's in regard to the closure of that Michigan plant. The statement includes this quote from Abbott CEO Robert Ford. It reads, quote, our number one priority is getting infants and families the high quality formulas they need. And this is a major step toward reopening our Sturgis facility so we can ease the nationwide formula shortage. We look forward to working with the FDA to quickly and safely reopen the facility, end quote. Dr. Abrams, first, what are the infant illnesses that caused Abbott to shut down its Michigan plant in the first place?
4: Well, there were cases reported of a bacteria called Cronobacter sakazaki, which causes a serious infection in babies. Whether or not they were specifically caused or not is is under investigation, has been investigated. But nonetheless, when that bacteria was found in the factory, the FDA moved to have a shutdown until that could be cleaned up and taken care of. And we should say that consent decree still
1: has to be approved by a judge. We should also add that even if that plant does reopen, it could take eight weeks for formula to be back on store shelves. Uh, Dr. Abrams, what do you make
4: of this latest agreement between Abbott and the FDA? Well, it's a good step forward, but it's only part of the answer. First of all, the first thing that factory is going to make are the specialized formulas, such as the ones for PKU and babies with severe allergies. So the broader population won't get more formula from that factory uh, until after that. I think also part of the answer is clearly going to be importation of safely produced and, and transported formulas from Europe. So it's going to take all those things together as well as uh, you know a generalized effort to, to, to improve things. The factory opening won't change things overnight.
1: We got this message from John on Facebook who says, too much consolidation in the industry, time for some monopoly breaking. Now, Amy, four major companies control 90% of the infant formula supply in the U.S. There's Abbott, Meat Johnson, Gerber, and Parago Nutritionals. How did these four companies come to control so much of the baby formula supply?
0: Well, you know, it just, I think a lot of people are surprised now that we're, we're seeing this. No one was sort of paying attention to this. And um, there are calls, of course, by a lot of congressmen now, congresspeople, um, uh, to maybe look into this and see why we are in this place. Um, and of course, parents mostly did not pay attention. It's not really what parents are, are focused on. And now here we are in this in this crisis.
1: Now, Dr. Abrams, for the first six months of their lives, the nutrition infants need comes exclusively from either breast milk or or formula. For those who don't know, what does baby formula consist of and why is it difficult, if not impossible, to find a substitute for it?
4: Well, baby formula has been formulated over many decades to match the outcomes as close as possible to breastfed infants so that families can feel safe who aren't breastfeeding that their baby has been well nourished. As such, they specially um, adjust the protein that's in cow milk. They add extra minerals, most importantly iron, and as well as other minerals, and overall make sure that the response of the baby is as close as possible to that of a breastfed infant. So you can't just do that. Cow's milk wasn't designed to do do that. And, and homemade formulas aren't safe and don't do that either.
1: And, and how often do you treat patients who have specific metabolic conditions where they need specialty
4: formulas, where breast milk isn't an option at all? It's fairly common. It's, it's, again, it's, it's, there are specifically a lot of babies who have damaged their intestines, they may have renal disease, or they may have very severe allergies where, where only very specialized formulas work. So that shortage, which as you heard described by that mom a little while ago, is a real crisis because the alternatives are so few.
1: And how are your patients coping right now?
4: Well, all the patients that we have, um, I'm an inpatient doctor, I take care of babies, and we've mostly within the hospital been able to get what we need. But once they go home, it's a real problem. And our specialists are taking care of these babies after they go home are having a real crisis.
1: Dr. Abrams, how do you respond to people who say, just start breastfeeding to account for this shortage?
4: Well, that's incredibly unhelpful and in some ways almost cruel. As you said, some women can't breastfeed. Other women, as they go back to work, it becomes virtually impossible for them to maintain their milk supply. We certainly want to support moms in meeting their breastfeeding goals, but that's that's a different issue. And right now, we need not to be embarrassing or shaming moms about breastfeeding. We need to make formula available not tell moms things that, that they, they should just breastfeed.
1: Amy, what advice do you give parents when it comes to navigating this shortage?
0: Well, it's it's nearly impossible, honestly. It's, you know, parents like to be in control and feel the need to be in control. Like this is the one thing that they really need to to provide for their children, and they just can't. So a lot of parents I've spoken with are reaching out to family and friends throughout the country, sending pictures of the formula they need, begging them to go to their own stores and look for it, Um, other parents, you know, have been asking, oh gosh, do I water my formula down to stretch it out? And the answer is absolutely not. And I'm sure Dr. Abrams can talk about this, but um, that's not a possibility either. So it's just, um, it's terrifying for a lot of these parents, a lot of, you know, low income parents who are working a lot and shift work, they don't have time to run out to five, six grocery stores looking for this formula during the day. It's just been um, really a Scary and impossible situation, uh, Doctor
1: Abrams. Amy mentioned their parents wondering whether they can water down formula to maybe stretch it um, for a little while. What would you advise your patient about that?
4: Well, that's an extremely dangerous thing to do. First of all, remember, as you said, formula is the only food that babies less than five to six months of age are getting so when you water it down you're filling their stomachs up and not giving them food and that'll affect growth and development for their entire life. So that's not a safe option. Also as you water it down you get you get overall low levels of, of sodium in the body and you can have severe diseases that'll put kids in the emergency room or worse. So watering down is, is, is never a good idea.
1: Amy what are you hearing from parents about accessibility? You know, where you live or how much time you have in a day to go on these hunts for formula, how that's limiting some families' options.
0: Well, it's definitely limiting some families' options. Uh, one dad that I spoke with in um, eastern Washington state is uh, his daughter was very sick, born micropremie, and and um, was sent to Seattle for, uh, to be taken care of at the hospital there. They still have doctor's appointments in Seattle, which is quite a distance from where they live. And when they go... Um, they go out, they look for for formula there. They're looking everywhere for it. His father flew in uh, from Detroit and brought a suitcase full of formula from there. So it is not reaching a lot of people uh, who aren't in more urban areas. Um, and it's just absolutely a problem.
1: Amy, I wonder how you're thinking about what this moment says about how we care for children and and families. If you have parents who are working and some of the difficulties that might present, and- breastfeeding and pumping regularly, or just the the difficulty in traveling from community to community to try to find formula, not to mention the expense. What are some of the questions that have come up for you?
0: Right. Well, it's it's really striking. You know, we're a country that, one of the few countries in the world that doesn't have paid leave after a child is born, after a baby is born. So a lot of mothers have to go back to work um, and do go back to work soon after their babies are born. And that makes breastfeeding nearly impossible. Um, just like Dr. Abrams said. And so a lot of parents right now that I'm speaking to, they keep saying that they're the words they're using, they feel abandoned, they feel neglected. They don't feel like they have a voice or, or a a place to turn. And so, um, you know, another parent I spoke with said he gets, he got two weeks of sort of paternity leave And he spent the whole time looking for formula and that just broke his heart. He wanted to be bonding with his baby and helping to take care of his wife. And he didn't have the time. Another mother um, said that she spent her entire uh, leave, what it was, um, doing the same thing. She said, I want to be sitting here staring at my baby and bonding with him. But instead, the second he falls asleep, I am searching for formula online. So parents are feeling very uh, distraught over this, both emotionally and just the practicality of it all.
1: We're discussing the baby formula shortage. We'll be back with more from you and our guests in just a moment. And a reminder to have your questions answered on future topics or just to let us know what you think. Tweet us at 1A. Let's get back to our conversation on the baby formula shortage. President Biden has responded to the formula crisis. Could you have taken those steps sooner before parents got to these shelves and, and couldn't find
4: formula? If we'd been better mind readers, I guess we could have. But we moved as quickly as the problem became apparent to us. And we have to move with caution as well as speed.
1: Amy, how much control does the FDA have on the accessibility of formula?
0: Um, well, the FDA has been looking into this, but only recently, um, but it is working with the uh, different formula companies. Um, and, you know, Abbott, for instance, one of the, the things they're going to be doing or they've started is shipping formula from their plant in Ireland that is FDA overseen by the FDA and approved by the FDA. So it does have um, a lot of oversight and uh, they're working, they say, around the clock to try to fix this.
1: Dr. Abrams, how much of a factor is price in accessibility of formula?
4: Well, it's a huge price. Um, The WIC program that you talked about provides at least half of all the formula used in the United States. But WIC is a supplemental program. So families still usually have to buy a small amount of that formula on their own, even if they're on WIC. And if they have to go out there and have to buy much more expensive formulas, and formulas that are imported from Europe are going to be more expensive unless they're subsidized, it's a real cost issue for them as well as the issues you heard about of going out there and shopping for them where families don't have time. So infant formula is a huge equity issue in America, and it's, this has made it much worse. Is it clear how the cost of formula gets determined? Well, I mean, I'm not, I think the companies would have to <laughs> answer that. It is true, however, that increasingly formulas have what we call value-added components to them. Those are things that are like special sugars and special fats that make them uh, uh, more similar in content to breast milk. And those things, com- components can be expensive and have been part of driving the cost of formulas up quite a bit.
1: A lot of emails. I get very upset when people say just breastfeed. I wanted so badly to breastfeed my baby, but never had a milk supply come in. For those who think it's that simple, educate yourselves. It's not. Now, we talked a bit about how grocery costs are also rising. This year was the largest year-on-year increase since 1981. Amy, what advice have you been sharing with families dealing with the broader effects of inflation?
0: It is so hard for families right now. And, you know, they, the families that I've been speaking with, again, um, they use WIC. Uh, they are looking for their formula that way. But, um, you know, they're cutting costs some places so they can go and buy formula that maybe the the prices have been jacked up. And the Biden administration is say, saying they're trying to put a stop to that. But I have one mom in um, Texas who's about to give birth in her first child had severe allergies and had to use a specialty formula, so she's expecting that to happen again, and she's been searching online, and she just found four cans of the formula she, that she needs $500.
1: What would the normal price be?
0: Um, I think it was about $40 uh, per can. So it's sort of the dark side of all of this going on, and hopefully not a major part of it, but it's just um, people are looking at it as an opportunity, unfortunately.
1: Wow. Dr. Abrams, what about you? What have you been sharing with your patients, with your families about managing this this crisis—the the lack of 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 um, a formula, but also just the rising cost of groceries?
4: Well, it's tough, and as you know, during the pandemic, food insecurity went way up in the United States. Our families have already been food insecure related to the pandemic. One thing that we've suggested that people do is as babies get very close to a year of age, especially in the last month or two before they hit a year of age, although it's not ideal, they can use cow milk, whole cow milk for a week, two weeks, especially if they have an iron supplement that their pediatrician gives them. So families are approaching, their babies approaching a year of age, and they can share that formula um, or provide it to families that have much younger babies where whole cow milk is simply not an acceptable option. That can be helpful. I think we all have to work together. And obviously hoarding and secondary increased prices on sales are inappropriate. So I think we have to work together as a society on this.
1: We got this email from John who asks, is goat's milk an acceptable substitute for most feeding babies, Dr. Abrams?
4: In general, no. Now, in Europe, there are goat milk-based formulas that have been approved by the regulatory agencies there. There are no goat milk formulas approved or reviewed by the FDA currently in the United States until you hit toddlerhood. So with the importation of formula, you may see the FDA allow some of the goat milk formula to be imported. I don't know. Um, But regular goat milk that you'd buy in a store is not appropriate for babies.
1: Ruth emails, I can't help but wonder why we keep allowing something as important as baby formula to be mass produced by one huge company, or in this case, just a handful of companies. Antitrust laws could really help with this. Uh, Amy, you said this is getting a little more attention uh, on Capitol Hill, but do you think we might see a shift?
0: Well, I think there might be more attention paid to it. And that's about as as close as it's gotten so far, because here we are, you know, we're in this very um, sticky spot. So I do think it's interesting seeing this coming more to the forefront now that we realize sort of how formula is produced in this country and by um, such large companies. I think it's definitely going to gain some traction and, um, you know, we'll see what happens.
1: What psychological impact is this having on parents you've spoken to, Amy? Amy?
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, There were many, many tears. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of moms in particular. um, And, you know, as we mentioned, breastfeeding can be so fraught. Um, One mom said she spent two and a half months after her baby was born trying to get her milk to come in. And she tried all sorts of teas and herbal supplements and different kinds of pumps. And so she finally gave up. And then the formula shortage happened. So twice now, she said, it just feels like she's failing her child. Um, It is just heartbreaking. And um, parents, the one the one thing that they really know that they can do or should do is feed their child. And it's the, you know, here they are faced with this um, crisis, not not sure where the food is going to come from. So it is um, emotionally a very difficult time in what is normally a very difficult time. You have a newborn or an infant, it's, it's not easy. Now this on top of it, it's very difficult.
1: Dr. Abrams, what about you? What are you hearing from the parents you work with?
4: Well, I think again, those who have special needs kids, as you heard, it's, it's a crisis because they, they, their baby literally will end up in the hospital um, if they don't get the formula that they need for these for these special cases, and, and so you know, fam- families are are, are are really upset and 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 seeking quick answers. If I could make one other comment, although uh, about about policy changes, I think a lot of things will get looked at, including the way the WIC contracting gets done. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're going to have to take a look at all of these things that have led to this situation, including the WIP contract. Explain
1: that a little bit more.
4: Well, each state, and sometimes they band together in groups of states, has a contract with uh, USDA and, and between the USDA and WIC, and, and that and that states so that the formula provided by WIC, which is half about half of all formula, is only obtained from that one company for routine use, not special use, and that leads to domination of the market by that company. And then when something like this happens and one factory goes down or there's a problem with that one company, it's not very easy. It's possible to switch and what does it, but it's not easy to do it.
1: Dr. Abrams, if you could talk to members of Congress about what we take away from this crisis, what would you say
4: to them? I think we need to take a look at the formula production and distribution system that's going on and sort out little more safety valves into the system because that's a real problem. I entirely agree about the issues of paid parental leave Although this crisis won't be solved by making it easier for moms to breastfeed down the road, that is something that we should be doing because moms should be helped to reach their goals for breastfeeding whenever possible without telling moms that there's anything wrong with formula feeding. So these are all goals. It's going to take a complicated effort. and We don't want to have this crisis go away and say everything's okay and not address these root causes we have
1: been speaking to Dr. Stephen Abrams with the University of Texas at Austinsdale Medical School and Amy Joyce, writer and editor of On Parenting, the parenting blog from The Washington Post. Thanks to you both. Today's producer was Arfi Getty. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk more soon. This is 1A.